Well, good afternoon, everybody. Nice to see you back. I hope you've enjoyed your lunch. I hope you've enjoyed your conversations. My name is Adrian Reynolds. I'm part of the small team that's organized today. I work um, for my most of my week. I work for the Fellowship of Independent Evangelical Churches in Market Harbour. I hope you've had a great morning. It has been a great morning with Randy, hasn't it? Um, he's been really stimulating. You know, there are two Randy Newmans, right? And um, I'm just... We could have got this one. Am I allowed to play this? We, we could have got this one. That's the other one. Um, did, we got the right one, didn't we? Yeah, we got the right one. He's been a great help. And you know, the great value, I think, of this morning, I've heard it twice now because I was there on, in London. The great value of this morning is thinking to yourself, I could do that. I could do that. You know those, those kind of sessions, you've sat in them, haven't you, where someone stands at the front and you think, wow, that guy's amazing. He's just got the things he's doing, that app he's using or whatever, the technology he's got working for him. That's, I, I, I couldn't do that. I'm pleased that he's doing it, but I couldn't do it. And I think the great value of listening to Randy this morning is thinking, I could do that. And what we wanted to do in this slot after lunch, we're, we're well aware that the slot after lunch is a slot where people like to have a little nap. And so what we thought we'd do, instead of allowing you to nap, is we want to energize you by telling you about three things that are happening locally. And essentially, we want you to respond in two ways. The first way that we want you to respond is to join with us in saying, praise God, at the things that are happening down our way in places near and around us. But secondly, we wanted you to think, hey, I could do that. Maybe not quite the same, but something like that. I could do that. So we're going to hear from three people who are going to tell their little story, really for about 10 minutes, and I'm going to interview them briefly. Three stories, three very different situations, three very different ideas, and we want you to be praising God with us and thinking, yes, I could do that. So let me pray for us as we begin. Father, we praise you for what we've heard so far. Thank you for feeding us. Thank you for our lunch. Thank you for conversations that we've had. We want to pray this next 60 minutes together will be a precious 60 minutes because we want to continue to grow and to learn. We realize, Heavenly Father, that the value of today is not what happens today, but what happens tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next week and the next month. So please, in this session, energize us, equip us, encourage us for Jesus' sake. Amen. I'm going to let the people who speak really introduce themselves. Uh, Deb Fiddler is from Hope Community Church in Mottram. Have I got that right? You just changed the church, I've changed its name, so um, I've got the right name, I think. Deb, come and tell us your story, and um, if you see me waving at you um, after about 10 minutes, it's because your 10 minutes are up. Brilliant. Over to you. Yeah, so for those of you that don't know, Mottram is in East Manchester, sort of borderline Peak District. I started there as the youth worker actually nine years ago. And two years into the role, the new pastor and his wife wanted to scratch the surface a bit with me. And underneath what they found is my heart is shaped for the older generation. And so they said, let's release that and just see perhaps what God does. So we developed an afternoon club once a week called Mottram Monday Matinee. And once a week, it would take a slightly different format, whether that be quizzes, sing-alongs, 
wheelchair aerobics. And over the years, we've started then a retro cinema experience once a month uh, with ice cream intervals that very much appealed to this older generation. And a more recent development, we've been having a great connection with the local primary school. Several children come down once a month and we have an all-age session that has quickly become the highlight of the month for many of them. Um, also within this, uh, occasionally, but mostly we want to try and do it monthly to be intentional about sharing the gospel through testimonies, testimonies from others in the church as well as the team who they now know, uh, stories behind the old hymns as part of a sing-along. Um, I had my foot still with the youth work, so we saw some crossovers there and started to do a big night out event once a year. So take them back to the days of the old dance hall and all the children and young people at church come in and serve a three-course meal to around 70 in the community and then spend the evening dancing to a live New Orleans jazz band. And we saw something within these intergenerational connections that just really sparked something about what this can look like, this idea of all-age family community and where God's people can fit within this. And um, one of the things we did notice, though, is that it was very invitational. You come in here, and we knew there were many others out in our little village that we didn't know. And in 2015, perhaps as similar with your own areas, we experienced the, the huge cuts in adult social care, which directly affected lots of things, including activity coordinators in the care homes and residential homes. So we approached them. They didn't really know us, so they weren't interested in church services. So we said, well, look, we want to be a blessing to this community. Can we come in and just do afternoon entertainment once a month to build those links and get to know them? And we've been doing that every month since. And it did work. We, we did build links. They did start to come into other things that we had happening. Um, but again, we oh, and two years sorry, from doing that uh, every month, the care home then asked us to start coming to do church services as well once a month. And uh, one of the uh, social housing residential homes, we now go in and use a material called Brain and Soul Boosting for Seniors uh, that Pilgrim's Friend have developed that actually has acted as a bit of a next step. So we've got these friendships. How do we introduce them to the gospel now to a generation that's very churched, I might add? How do we introduce them to who Jesus really is? Um, and it's working very effectively because we've built those friendships. I want to stress that actually it's been the long term with that to build the relationships. Um, they realized the church that it had become a potential full-time role. So they said, pack the youth work. We want you to develop your training. So I started in 2016 um, at Cliff College in the Peak District woo, <laughs> um, on one of the only courses in the country for developing third age mission and ministry. I always say it's like a Star Trek course, isn't it, third age? But it's ministry towards older people. And off the back of one of my first essays at Cliff, uh, where I focused around loneliness and trying to understand this thing that is so prevalent in our news reports, um, you'll know that they say 1.2 million Older people are diagnosed as being chronically isolated. Um, we know it doubles the chance of Alzheimer's, increases risks of depression and sense of worthlessness and pessimism. And I know it's, well, it's mental health day today, isn't it? And we know the direct correlation now between loneliness and the detrimental effect on mental health. And as I was stirred more by God's heart for this, I didn't have to look far in the scriptures for it. In the first pages, we see that we're made in God's image, in the image of a triune God who is community. 
You know, it's at the very core of our being to be in connection with him and others. Isn't that the only thing that wasn't good in all creation? So we approached the local parish church and we said, look, there's no free service in Tameside for befriending. Let's do this together. We've just done a week of mission with them. And so we trained them up, these volunteers. We got them DBS checked. We put the literature out and we waited and nothing happened. And we were like, God, what's going on? We know the need is there. And all the while through this time, I've got to stress, God has kept bringing us back to the same position and it's on our knees and to pray and not push. It's his way, not our way. And actually within a couple of months, a door flung wide open into Hyde Police Station, which was covering the whole of South Tameside. And in 2016, they were meeting every single day with social services, social housing, mental health, alcohol support, you name it, because the case was so high and so extreme, and they had no idea what to do. (laughs) They needed a collaborative approach. So we came with this kind of handful of befriends and said, well, we've got these, we can do some long-term support here with some of them. So we started to get referrals coming in from all across South Tameside. And I'll be honest with you, I trained people for cozy cups of tea and coffee with older people. And it wasn't going to work like that because actually what God unveiled in that was the scale of deprivation and hopelessness in our area. I hadn't imagined what I was looking at um, with the different cases I was coming across. And we started to disperse some of these befrienders into other areas, but something didn't sit right with that. Because another thing that God has really imprinted on us through this process is that the local church is the mission for the local community. So why, why send our befrienders over there? There are churches over there. So we approached those churches, and I'll just say two years on, or two and a half now, We've got two churches partnered over in Denton, overseen by a coordinator. The umbrella name for this is Silver Cord, by the way, the befriending. Um, And I'm overseeing three churches now in our area with befrienders, feeding them into the uh, referral process, etc. And um, we've responded to over 90 referrals within this time. Some we've had to bat straight back (laughs) because it's been like, I don't think this is appropriate. Actually, I want to say the beauty of this in terms of the church's involvement is we can offer more than one-on-one. We can offer people a community. We can offer people family that have never known family. And that is so core at what we're about is God places the lonely in families, Psalm 68. And I think I just want to finish the time. I'm not sure how long I've got left. (laughs) But I did some training um, with Tameside Council. If you've not heard of this, look out for it because it might be heading your way. To respond to the the crisis of of care and money, it's this ABCD approach. And it's asset-based community development. So basically, what has the community already got? And what's the community got that's got potential and we could release and then actually the community cares for itself. And I just sat there in this train and I thought, my goodness, I think they're onto something here. Because every community has churches. And actually, we know church is more than the people, but the people have a building. Most of us do. And what are buildings good for? Well, they're amazing connection points for people. However that looks, whether that's a cap centre, a cafe, exercise classes, what else is an asset? 
the people. Actually, it's one of the most eclectic groups of people that is totally unusual in the world from all different walks, all different backgrounds, all different ages, in a way some have never known. But there's another asset within that community, and it's our older people. And I've been so struck that actually I think they're one of the most unused assets that the church has. And actually, something that has blessed my socks off doing this is over 90% of our befrienders are of retirement age. And actually, there's something going wrong in that I read when people reach around the age of 50, they start to feel overlooked in our churches. And I am all for passing batons on and investing into next generation. But there is no point that we stop running this race. And I think that older people have a very unique role to play in our society. And they carry skills that actually some of our younger people don't have. So on Renewan talks about them like desert guides that have been to those lonely places, those grief places, sorrow places. They can guide people out to water. And Psalm 92 says they still, and even in old age, they will still remain fresh and green. They will still produce sap and declare as surely as the Lord lives. And that brings me great joy. And then the greatest asset, well, we meet every six weeks with our befrienders to remind ourselves we're not the hero, but we have one who is. We have the rescuer. He's on our side and he's using them. He's using his people And I'm just, as much as we can go, this is a macabre setting that we live in. I just think it's the perfect opportunity for God to break through. So that's that's my summary. Great. Let's thank Deb, shall we? Deb, your enthusiasm is is brilliant. Um, We had this conversation on the phone. It lasted a bit longer than 10 minutes, didn't it? Because it was just, it was fantastic to hear about everything the Lord is doing. Tell us a little bit more about the befriending. What, what does actually that, what does that involve for someone? So um, I guess some of us will be thinking, I could do that, but on a small scale perhaps, rather than on a larger scale, I just want to start small. So what does befriending actually look like in those kind of situations? Um, okay, well, on a small scale, so you mean like any church having yeah, a go yeah, at befriending? Yeah, exactly. You do need to kind of get, wrap your head around some of the red tape stuff, which I'm happy to point people in the right direction with. For example, just give us one or two um, examples. So, um, risk assessment, safeguarding okay. training. Uh, there's, there's the usual kind of, yeah. let's, if we're going to do it, let's do it safely and properly. Mm. Um, and I do think there's, a, there's, there's something about preparing those going into homes and, and really that reminder that it where we stop and, and they and they start because I think otherwise we can go in with a rescue attitude and a victim hero thing going on which I think is unhealthy but um, yeah I think you'd be amazed when you walk into somewhere and you say you're from a church for it not to spark more questions we've been completely upfront that we've churches responding in this we've been clear with the council about that and um, I just think it's a very exciting opportunity. Yeah, Sorry, I don't absolutely. know if I've answered no, that's your great. question. That's great. And, of course, we're doing those safeguarding things in other parts of church life. Mm-hmm. That's good, just good practice, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's extending good practice to everything we're doing, yeah. really. Tell us a little bit more about the move from, um, you know, thinking about befriending and having a, sort of a further goal in mind, which is to, to introduce people to the greatest friend of all, to, to mm-hmm. the Lord Jesus. Tell us how that process works, maybe in a couple of examples. Um, okay. Um, 
So we had a Christmas Day lunch uh, for anyone who was on their own last year. Now we knew where these people were. And off the back of that, someone started befriending someone who is now talking with them about wanting to come to church um, through this friendship that's developed through that. We had a lady just the other week uh, when the son was there of this lady that she's been visiting. And she asked, can I, can I give this your, your mum a Gideon's Bible? Because I know she's got a Christian background. Oh, absolutely. And every time she goes around, she's reading this Christian Bible. Um, Christian Bible. I don't know what else it'd be. <laughs> um, one perhaps more extreme example would be a chap who was on the boards at the police station for months um, and they just had no idea what to do. He had accessed A&E 300 times in three years, uh, post-traumatic stress, and we kind of knew it might not be appropriate, a one-on-one here, might need a wider thing happening. And me and the pastor went to visit him and actually from day one he wanted to come to church and by week one, he was accessing two small groups a week, church every week, and round at people's houses often for tea. And he talks now about believing in Jesus and knowing that actually we've not just introduced him to a potential new family, we're, we've introduced him to the God of the universe. They were his words to us uh, not long ago. So, yeah. Wonderful. And you, you just said there and shared quite honestly that it's kind of been a long-term process. Yes. You know, there have been periods where nothing seemed to happen and then things mm-hmm. got going. How has God kept you going in the kind of the, the down times, if you like, when it sort of felt a bit frustrating and a bit yeah. slow? Um, to be honest with you, I, I, I remember saying to our pastor a while ago, because some of the cases have been really complex, and kind of thinking, you know, we're doing all this, but Lord, where's the, you know, we want to see salvation. We want more sal- like, and why, I said to him, why is God not zapping people? <laughs> you know, why, why is he not changing people like that? We're telling him about Jesus and, And you know what he said to me? He said, Debs, what if God's teaching us something in this? What if he's teaching us actually how to love radically in a way we've never loved before? How to walk the long road with people um, and actually be in it for the long haul rather than the quick fix. And actually, then I can get back to what I was doing. You know, that's what, that it really, he reveals stuff in those times, I think. Which is Randy's kind of A to Z, wasn't it, that we were hearing about this morning. It's exactly the same thing. So that's really good to hear. Um, Des, we're going to pray for you, and we're going to do that in a certain way. Um, I just wanted to say, before we do that, um, just have a look around in your area. Because I don't think, it doesn't matter where you are, you will find people who are, and in the later stages of life, you will find people who are isolated. You'll find people who are lonely. Have a look at some of the demographics. You can look at some of the census results online. If you look on um, DataShine, if you've come across DataShine, www.datashine.org.uk, that will show you some of the um, census results pictorially. You can just see the kinds of people who are living around you in your street and, and the ages that they are. You will find people who are desperately lonely and in desperate need of the gospel. So do have a look. And just one other resource to look up. Um, If you just Google Faith in Later Life, Faith in Later Life is a a new charity that's been set up by Pilgrim's Friends Society, Salvation Army, one or two others. I've been involved in that. Just thinking about how we as churches effectively reach those um, in later life. And actually, something we've not done that well in the past, but actually something that we can do. And just, you've heard Deb's story, something that you can do where you are. So why don't we stand up to pray? Um, I'm not doing this for any theological reason other than I don't want you to go to sleep. I'm sure you won't have gone to sleep, but um, just to keep your legs stretched. So if you stand up with me, and um, we're going to pray for Deb's and the guys on the silver cord. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for 
the story that we've just heard. Thank you for Debs and for her enthusiasm. Thank you for the way that you've used her and all these volunteers working to befriend and reach people with the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for all the patience that's been put into this. Thank you for all the prayer that's been put into this. And thank you now for these churches who are partnering together. Father, we do praise you for this collaborative project. And we want to pray that you will bless it richly. Father, we know that all those without Christ need to hear about him. And Father, we know therefore we need to make contacts, we need to befriend, we need to get to know people. Thank you so much for the enthusiasm of this initiative. Please help us to think about how we can do similar things where we are, that are appropriate to our size, appropriate to our place, appropriate to our gifting. But Father, we want to be those who bring the gospel to those who need it. So please, we ask for your help, and we ask that you continue to bless this project in Jesus' name. Amen. Dev, thank you so much. This is my friend Anthony. There you go, Ant. Um, Anthony's from Liverpool. Oh, no, that doesn't normally get a response, doesn't it? Can if you want, yeah, you can if you want. He's from Liverpool. Yeah, he's from Liverpool. And, um, well, Anthony, you can, you can introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about um, something very different. Thank you. So, yes, I'm Anthony uh, from a place called Speak, which is a poor estate on the south side of uh, Liverpool. Some of you uh, might have heard about it. Um, And it's really great for me to be able to speak to you and share with you some wonderful things that God is doing in the lives of some young guys called uh, Lee and Phil and Ryan and Adam and Jack, who happen to be my next-door neighbours. I think we might have a picture um, rather than my name that we show there's four of them anyway. Um, uh, and I hope as I share this story, you'll see that I think it's just a tremendous joy and privilege for me to be involved in seeing what God is doing in their lives. Um, I also want to ask you to please uh, bear with me a little bit. I had a stroke six months ago, and I find that I'm not as lucid in talking to people um, as I uh, have been in the past. Um, uh, so the wonderful things that God is doing in the lives of uh, these guys. Um, I moved uh, to speak with my wife and family um, six years ago, and I had a really strong conviction when I moved that um, where I lived was, was not an accident, that, that I had a responsibility for evangelizing in my local area. And so I put aside uh, an evening a week in order to try and invest in that and hope that something might happen next door. Um, Well, with Elaine, my wife, and I, we set to work trying to find ways to love our semi-detached neighbours. Some of you might have semi-detached neighbours. You know, stopping, taking the time to talk to them, um, doing a bit of baking and taking that round. Um, and I, I, did, I did that sort of stuff. I didn't do the baking. I'm not good at that. Um, and we kept praying, and, uh, and soon we got the chance to go out for a meal with the, the, the matriarch and the patriarch in, in, in the household. Um, these, these lads, mum and dad, effectively. And I can remember a journey back in the car with the dad, um, and I was petrified about doing this, but I plucked up the courage to say to him, George, will you let me tell you about Jesus one day? Because he knew what I was about, and he knew the things that made me tick. Will you let me tell you about Jesus one day? Um, and I, I felt petrified when I asked him the question. And he said, yeah, and you can tell me, you can tell me about Jesus. 
So that was the, that was the, the, the door in, and I was greatly relieved. Well, um, sadly, George uh, got poorly. Um, sorry, he got poorly, and he deteriorated in health very quickly. Um, but wonderfully, I got to share something of the good news of Jesus with him while he was in hospital. Um, he died, um, and the boys wanted to know then, these lads wanted to know what I had said to, to their dad. So I told them about the hope that, uh, that we have in Jesus in the face of death, and they agreed that we should uh, hear some more about this, because it was important. And so I set up what, um, what, what we called the Good News Club, um, and it would be round at our house on a Wednesday night for an hour, an hour and a half. The Good News Club. So this was September 2014. So this is a year and a half after we moved to speak. So this is taking quite a while to get to this point. And in those early days, um, uh, we used the soul material. Some of you might be familiar with that from, from Christianity Explored. Um, uh, we didn't have any handouts because I sensed that the kind of core structure involving writing lots of things down wouldn't really have been very helpful to us. So I just kind of had a rough outline in my head of the stuff we wanted to hit, and we watched the videos, and, and we talked. And at first, there were four of them. Um, and I have to say, the first year, at least, was really tough going. Um, they won't mind me sharing with you that lots of times they just didn't turn up. Uh, they didn't tell me that they weren't going to turn up, but they just didn't turn up, or they turned up late, or it was just really, really hard to get the four of them together. Uh, and, you know, we found that we needed to go over the videos loads and loads of times and just, just break it down and watch them again and again. Um, we had to take time to even to explore and open up the illustrations that were being used um, in, in the videos. Um, so this is the funny thing, right? Um, I, this is, I produced this. This, could, this sort of brings tears to my eyes when I look at it. I pr- produced it um, uh, to say Good News Club and the dates we were going to do the Christianity Explored course. There's like eight weeks, okay, to do the course. It took us a year to go through that. And I thought at the start we would just do it in eight weeks. It's hilarious to, 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 to look at that now and, and also deeply moving to see what's happened uh, uh, since, since then. Um, so it took ages and ages. We also had a, a young guy from the church um, who'd been saved from the estate, and his name was Tom. And I kind of thought it would be really good for him to come, along, to come to my house and do this with me because he'd learned loads and he was also younger and more, more like their sort of age. So he had more of a connection. Um, so he came along and helped out a little bit. And loads of times I, we just felt like giving up. Elaine baked cakes. When they didn't turn up, we just took the cakes next door and just smiled and said, let's try again. And eventually cold weather and um, or something other like that just sort of killed the whole thing off. And I probably said at some point, let's take a break. Um, I think a year at least went by, and then there was this renewed interest from the guys themselves. Um, they kept talking about it, and they said, could we, could we come and, and do that again? Um, 
This time it would need to be around at their house because, um, because one of the lads uh, was released from prison on a tag and he couldn't be out of the house after seven o'clock. But could, we, could I come next door instead of them coming over two hours? Um, and this time to ring the changes, we used um, Lee McMunn's Essentials uh, videos. Some of you seen those? And they're only short, and they were great, and we watched the videos, and we kept pausing and discussing and opening up the illustrations. It didn't matter that it took a long while. And sometimes the discussion went off in a completely unrelated area. They had questions maybe they'd been thinking about during the day, um, and we spent loads of time talking about those. Um, They reflected on their Catholic upbringing, They they say many times, why didn't anybody tell us about this when we were younger? Why didn't anybody tell us about this? Um, I'd prayed that one of the other brothers that was was there would would join us the second time round. He wasn't there the first time. But this, this second time round, he wanted to come and do it as well because his brothers had started to tell him about the stuff and, and he did it got his interest. Um, and so, so we had five instead of four this time. And I've done Christianity Explored in, in other churches lots of times, and it's really hard work sometimes, isn't it? People just don't want to engage. They don't want to ask questions. They're reluctant to be there. When God is at the move, on the move among people, it's completely different. And I just love the time that I have with the guys because they really want to know. They just, they, they, they're full of questions and they're really enthusiastic um, for this stuff. So let me tell you about some of the very best moments. And I have to say, the time with the lads have been the very best, the very best times of my whole life when I've seen what, what God has done. Uh, when I've heard them sort of praying in their own particular way, but I can tell that they're praying from their hearts, it's just been absolutely wonderful. When, when we went round the room and they talked about how and where it was that God had convinced them uh, of the truth, uh, and they all talked about that. And Ryan will tell you it was when he was in the bath. It's just fantastic to hear him talking about that when he was in the bath. Um, they they signed up and did a seven week um, urban ministry course, um, like a, a webinar type thing. Uh, that, that was amazing. They came and visited me in a hospital um, last uh, last summer. Um, uh, they wanted to move the fence panels between our houses so that we could have a World Cup party in the garden. But they insisted that we did some good news stuff, first of all. And, and we, 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 got, we did some Bible stuff. And that was coming from them. Um, yeah, it's just absolutely fantastic. Um, and when they tell me about conversations that they're having with their friends um, uh, about, about their faith in their own particular way, some of the worst moments are um, when they talk really enthusiastically, enthusiastically about coming to church, uh, but they don't turn up. Um, and uh, Because I just know how much they're missing out on not being part of, of the church community at this particular time. Um, and when you, 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 you know something of their lives and you remember that there's so much more of the comfort and the hope and the joy of the gospel that you just want to see impacting their lives, and it isn't doing yet. So that, those, are the, those are some of the sadder times. Phil, uh, one of the guys, Phil there, he's, we've, we, we call him the distraction monitor. So he collects all the mobile phones in at the beginning of the Good News Club. 
because otherwise you've got absolutely no chance. So they, they, they've kind of understood that, that about that. Elaine still bakes uh, something each week, and I take that round. Last autumn, we moved on to um, Pete Woodcock's really fantastic series of DVDs, uh, The King and I, and uh, there's Tales of the Unexpected, absolutely brilliant. Just lately, we've just got to the point where we're just, gonna st- we're just reading Mark's gospel bit by bit and chewing it over and talking about it without needing to use the videos and stuff, but actually really getting into the word like that. Um, and remember, this is back from September 2014, and, and that's where we're at at the moment. We had a break during the time when I had a stroke, um, and we're kicking it off again in the next couple of weeks. You sometimes hear about people doing Christianity Explored again and again. Randy was saying on um, Tuesday that he knew of someone who did, did Christianity Explored seven times in seven years. I think this is the longest. Where's Phil? Is he around? I can't see Phil. Is this the longest ever running Christianity Explore group? It, it, it may be, but isn't that wonderful to see how you have to go slowly? You have to think about the people you're working with. And you know, I, really, I really appreciated that. And it started with befriending, didn't it? Yeah. Um, and just, just 2014, we're 2019 now, that's quite a long time. So just tell us, in those initial stages where it kind of felt very slow, I want to ask you the same question I asked Debs, which is what, what kept you going in that? What kept you persevering and not giving up? Um, I, the, the really strong conviction that God hasn't put us where we are by accident. Um, uh, Rico said earlier on, make time in your diary for your own local area evangelism, I think. We, we felt strongly that if we did that, God would, would do something about it. Um, and, uh, yeah, just the confidence also that we have that um, even if people look like they're completely unlikely to be, to be saved, that, uh, that God is the God of miracles and uh, yeah, there's no glass ceilings. And, and I guess it's another befriending story, isn't it? It's, um, we were talking earlier about befriending um, folk in later life. This mm. is about befriending people around you and, and making something of that. Yeah, I mean, I don't find that very easy. I'm a bit, bit of an introvert, really, and uh, so I find I have to make time to be interested in people. But I think that somebody once said that to me, just find people interesting, and I think that's really helpful. So, um, you know, uh, when you want to run away from a conversation, just ask the next question. Um, Befriending, I think, is is often just asking the next question. That's really helpful. Thank you. And tell us a little bit more about this kind of adapting material, because mm. I think you, you just shared quite movingly there how you know you had your eight week plan for how it was going to work out, and it ended up you know ended up taking a year. And I know we we were together, weren't we? At that time, we were we were working together mm. and doing some stuff together. And I'd ask you every time I saw you how it was going on. It was kind of another bit of slow progress, another bit of slow progress. So so how did you how did you go through that kind of mental change of working out, hang on, I've got to slow down, I've got to explain things. How, yeah. how did that work out for you? Just give us a, a few hints about how that worked. Um, yeah, well, it was a shock at first because we kind of think of the illustrations in these videos as being the window into the text and so on. <laughs> when you've got to explain the illustrations, it's uh, you realise that you, you know, it, it, it's, you're dealing with a different situation. Um, so I think it's just a realization quite quite soon on that we just needed to really slow it down and for anybody else that's interested in using these kinds of resources in this way don't get too hung up on 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 following the material exactly as it is i think it's just have an idea of 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 the of the kind of things that are really important um and uh and just just uh, uh try and give 
provide what people can cope with, really. Um, and if it takes a year, it takes a year. If it takes two years, it takes two years. It's still great stuff. Yeah. Um, if they do, if you get a bit like this, instead of a bit like this, it's still this is still great. I, I remember talking to you at some of the low moments when the kind yeah. of you know the guys weren't there, or one was in prison, or you know something had happened and it all come to nothing. Yeah. In one of those kind of take a break moments. And thinking, has yeah. it all come to nothing? So it's, it's yeah. been great to hear this story of how it's been picked up again and to hear how they wanted to pick it up as well. That's been really thrilling. Yes, it is. Yeah, fantastic. fantastic. We want to pray for you. Let's pray for Speak as well. Just tell us, mm. just give a few headlines about Speak, kind of place it is, um, number of people, that kind of thing. Yeah, so it's, it's quite a, a poor part of the country, a poor estate. Um, we're a lovely ch- family-sized church, uh, about 70 or so people of all ages, from the youngest to the to the oldest. We love uh, loving the Lord together. We're, we're a lovely, close church family. Uh, we're trying to find creative ways of reaching out. We don't find it easy. If you came and spent any time with us, you'd think it was very unimpressive. Everything we do looks pretty unimpressive, but it's just great. It's just a great place to be. 15,000 people, huge uh, potential, um, and God is a God of miracles. So you're right there by the airport, aren't you, as you come into to Liverpool. That's, That's kind of the place where they are. Yeah. Um, Anthony, we'd love to pray for you and what's going on. We want to give thanks as well for this extraordinary story, really, isn't it, of just how God has used this to really reach these um, these men's lives. So I wonder if we could do this by just um, just turn around where you are, just into, into smaller groups, and just maybe one person in that group, just let's thank God for what God has been doing, and let's pray for more fruit in Speak, this place of, how many, 15,000, did you say? 15,000 people. people, where so many people don't know their right hand from the left. So uh, it doesn't mean to be lots of people praying, just turn around, one person perhaps leading prayer. Let's offer our voices up to the Lord. Great uh, joy to share it. God is, what God is doing is amazing. Amen. Let me introduce you to Pele. Here he is. Pele has just learned this last week he's going to be a father. Isn't that great? Someone suggested uh, that I should follow my family tradition of calling our child Brazilian footballers. So we're thinking maybe Ronaldo. Are there other, are there other Brazilian footballers in your family then? No, I'm not Brazilian uh, at well, all. Well, I realise that, but I just wondered if there, were other, if there were other people who were named after Brazilian footballers in your not family. Not until my mum just thought, oh, Pele, that's a nice name. She didn't realise it was actually a Hawaiian goddess of fire. Uh. Pele, uh, you work at All Souls, Langham Place. And why don't you, you tell us what your job title is, because I can never quite remember it, and you're going to tell us a little bit about the initiative you've been working with over the last few years. Over to you. Great. Um, 
as Adrian said, uh, I'm from All Souls Langham Place, uh, which uh, some of you may know, some of you may not know. Uh, it's a big church in the centre of London, just up from Oxford Circus. Um, and uh, it's got a nice spiky spire. Uh, and uh, I'm the creative ministries worker. Uh, if any of you have got any idea what that means, do come and tell me, because I'm still trying to work it out myself. Um, but in a way, uh, what I look to do is how do we engage with people inside the church, at our services and our events, but also how to engage with people outside of the church uh, and get the good news in there. And one of the projects that I'm, I'm tasked to do is uh, free English classes. Guess what it is? Um, there we go, free English classes. Um, and uh, as we were saying, where do you start? Uh, the truth is, when I started at All Souls, I started on a ministry trainee program, and the first thing I said to them, I don't want anything to do with the English classes. And uh, God had a sense of humor. I'm actually dyslexic, so I can't spell at all, uh, yet I find myself running uh, the English classes. What I'm going to show you is really exciting, and, uh, and I'm really excited about what the Holy Spirit has been doing. Uh, but I don't want you to be intimidated by that because our English classes at All Souls started with just one student who wanted to show Christ-like love to one of his friends. And I'm just going to give you a bit of a history of our English classes. Uh, it was uh, a student and, and they just thought, my uh, fellow friend doesn't speak English and it would be great if I could help him. So they started on a Friday night uh, teaching him English and then they got a bit of a group going. And because they were students, we tied this in with uh, the student ministry at All Souls, which is called One student ministry. And so we were trying to reach out to uh, students who are not Christians. Uh, we were also bring, inviting people, or other students who didn't speak English. Uh, and we got a bit of a social going on as well. And when we opened the church doors, people just walked in, uh, which was great. Um, and we had homeless people coming in. So we had this Friday night uh, thing, and we, we were trying to serve all these different people. Now, what happened over time uh, was that the people who were running it either had to go back to their home country, or they moved moved on from All Souls, and actually, uh, the ministry kind of died down. So about just over three years ago, it was just 12 people in a room, and we looked at it, and we thought, right, something's got to change here. What, what do we do? And we thought, uh, well, um, in fact, I'm going to tell you what we thought, but we, we changed a few things, and we've just seen it grow and grow. I just want to show you some photos. Oh, uh, oh. Sensitive clicker. Uh, this is us in our little church hall in the basement. Uh, that's where we started. This was actually after the rebrand, uh, and we started getting a bit busy. Like I said, it only started with 12 people. Uh, that's the room full. Uh, and then sooner or later, it got so busy. We had over 80 people. I was being told off uh, because health and safety, too many people in the room. So we moved into our main church hall, which is like this. So we every Friday night, we had to transform the whole church into a basically classroom environment. And then it kept growing. People kept coming and kept coming. So we now have, uh, on Friday just gone, we had 140 people uh, turn up to our English classes. And like I said, this just started with one person wanting to teach English to their friend. Um, so we get these 140 people in. We've found that free English classes are all souls Langham, even with Rico there, we got more non-believers into the church building weekly than any other ministry. Um, and here's us having a conversation, people learning English. 
and then we have a meal. So we do an English class for an hour and a half, and then at the end of the hour and a half, we say, hey, you're free to go. However, would you like to stay and have a meal with us? And before, when we were trying to serve students, homeless people, and uh, ESL students, that's English second language students, people just got up and left. They weren't interested. Um, And so we tried to have a meal, and now people stay for the meal. I'm going to tell you uh, how that happened. So here are three tips that helped our ministry uh, become more effective. Uh, I'm sorry uh, if you weren't expecting tips, but here we go. Tip number one is do it well. It seems so obvious. But the moment we started looking at the English schools down the road and said, what are they doing? Let's be better than them. How do, what does our welcome look like? Let's be better than, let's be the best welcome they ever received. What's happening at the teaching environment? Let's make sure they've all got a pen ready. Let's make sure there's a nice bottle of water for them so they don't have to get up. And doing it well can mean lots of different things. I think we saw in Anthony and speak baking. You know, have people around. Bake, you serve them, you be generous. Um, I, uh, Rico might be in here uh, somewhere. I'm sorry, Rico. A few years uh, before all this, I was a student uh, at All Souls, and I went to a carol service with all my mates from university, and Rico stood there behind the uh, lectern, and he did a fantastic uh, sermon. And uh, then he said at the end of the sermon, now, if you want to know more about this, we'd love to follow up with you, and we want to invite you to come to Christianity Explored. And what you have to do uh, is fill out this piece of paper. And he waved a piece of paper. And I was there, sat down, and I had one service sheet. I had some sort of gift envelope left over. And I had found this funny little piece of paper I was given. And it was cut uh, wonky. It was photocopied, and the ink was coming off in black and white. And Rico was there saying, fill this in, and we're going to save your life. Uh, he didn't say that exactly, but you get the drift. And then I was like, okay, this doesn't look great. And he said, and when you filled it in, put it in the cardboard post box on the door. And I went to the cardboard post box, and it was kind of falling apart. And I just thought, does it look like we care? And when we do things quickly and whatever, actually, if we do it well, it shows that we really care. We want to be generous. So uh, my first point has vanished. Uh, do it well. Maybe I have to click something. Oh, no. Oh, there we go. Do it well. Um, And uh, I've got to get the Bible in there somewhere. Uh, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. It wasn't just good. It wasn't, ah, that's all right. I don't know. uh, We I find that in our church, sometimes we have a that-will-do attitude. Um, You just say, oh, yeah, I don't have much time. That will do. But actually, if God saw all he had made, and it was very good, that should be our standard. So let's do it well. Second one, keep it simple. Um, that's often harder than it sounds. Um, like I said, when we changed, we were trying to serve, uh, it was called One English Lessons, because with one student ministry, One English Lessons is bad English. Who wants to go to an English uh, school called One English Lessons? We, we already saw we had a ministry that was looking after students. We already saw we had a ministry looking after the homeless and people on our streets. So actually, we said, let's not try and kill uh, two birds, three birds with one stone. Let's just focus on the minority there, people looking to teach English. So the whole evening, we changed to uh, focusing on people who wanted to speak, uh, who learned to speak English. And we focused the meal on them not trying to serve this person, not trying to make it cool enough for our students, not trying to make it uh, welcoming for the homeless person. We just thought, let's just focus on these people and keep it simple. And that's, that's helped uh, it become more effective. Third point, think of who you are trying to reach. 
Uh, that again sounds obvious, uh, but what we found is that when it was called One English Lessons, we said to our little team at the time, uh, oh, we're going to change the name, it doesn't make sense, One English Le- Lessons is a bad name, we're, not, we're moving away from the student ministry, so uh, what should we call it? And we came up with all different names, we said, well, we're all souls, so why don't we call all souls English? Or in fact, let's be cool and say all English or living English because they learn more about English. They learn about Jesus or English for life. My favorite was full English. Uh, You can probably see why. Um, But then when we said free English classes, none of the team liked it. But it wasn't for us. We all spoke English and we were all Christians and we all went to the church. We're not doing it for us. We're doing it for the people who don't know Jesus, who don't come to the church. And what are they going to be Googling? Free English classes. So that's what we called it. And God blessed us in giving us the domain name, www.freeenglishclasses.co.uk, which has been a huge tool in reaching people. And once people go on the website and see that, they're immediately like, oh, this looks legitimate. This doesn't look like a dungy church hall where someone's going to give me biscuits and teach me English and then suddenly tell me about Jesus. Uh, And that's kind of what what it was like. I've got to go quicker because I'm running out of time. I'm sorry, I'm talking very quickly. Uh, So what does it look like now? Um, You saw some photos. I just wanted to, instead of me telling you what it's like, show you some feedback. We asked people uh, what they thought. You probably can't see this, but has free English classes helped improve your English? We could see loads of people was saying, yes, it's helping my listening, speaking, reading, and writing. We don't even teach the writing, so I have no idea how that's happening. Uh, One person said no, though, uh, which was interesting. Uh, How likely would you recommend free English classes to a friend? Over a 100 people said yes, uh, which is great. A few fours and one three again. But doing it well was working. People were were saying, hey, you've got to go to this church, this English classes. Have you ever had a conversation about faith at free English classes? So like I said, we teach a really good English lesson. We try and be better than an English school that people would pay for. And then afterwards, we have a meal where we tell them about Jesus. And look, 35% said yes, 39% no, 26 maybe. Uh, I had to go and talk to the team and say, hey, what are you telling them? Um, But it shows we've still got work. We're getting 140 people in through our doors, and we're a small team of about 15 people trying to go around, but we've got work to do. I like to say to to Rico, uh, we don't have to do any more fishing. We've got them all in the tank. Uh, we just got to get them into the boat. Um, So 31 people said they've attended a church service, so this became a great stepping stone. So what Randy says, all the pre-evangelism and the scale, uh, actually this became a stepping stone to getting them into church. Uh, So who's coming? Our age, if you look, most people are in their 20s and 30s, which is not your student age, which is what it started for. The youngest person we actually had ever was 11 years old. The oldest person we've had is 74. And just picking up on what Debs was saying, actually lots of our teachers... Our seniors, our teachers are people who are retired, who speak English, who have loads of experience from the world, and they give up their Friday nights to come and teach. We have 47 different nationalities coming in through our doors. And we had a, I had a woman from Saudi Arabia, and she came and I said, um, what brought you here today? And she said, free English classes. Oh, yeah, sorry. Um, and uh, I said, have you ever read the Bible before? And she said, if I was found with a Bible in my home country, I would have been stoned. And I said, well, could I write, read the Bible with you now? She went, yeah, I'd love that. 
And God gave me that privilege and that honor to read the Bible with someone for the first time. So we have loads of people from different nationalities, loads of different religious faiths. Before, when we started it out as for students, actually his friend was a Christian. So we saw this big flip when we started doing it well, keeping it simple and thinking about uh, our audience. Actually, loads of people uh, that started coming, uh, the majority of them do, are not Christians. Uh, we've got uh, some Muslims, some Catholics uh, come. Lots of people, if they're from South America or it- Italy, they immediately say, oh, I'm Roman Catholic. Turns out they only go to church when their mama tells them to do it. Uh, that's what one of them said. But someone said, I don't know. Mix and match and good behavior. Uh, that was interesting. Uh, right, do you want to learn more about the, what Christians believe? We did this survey and we got 63 responses and 11% said yes. Everyone said no, don't care. In a year after it grew, we got 117 responses and that changed to 48%. So when you, when you go into the room, you just, just flip a coin. 50-50, I'm going to ask you, do you want to, can I tell you about Jesus? They'll probably say yes or no. 50-50 chance, almost. Uh, okay, so that's me wrapping up. Do it well, keep it simple, and think about who you're trying to reach. Thanks, Pele. Let's, let's uh, give you some thanks. Thank you. you. You just need that clicker. Just go back one slide for us. What made the difference, do you think, between left and right? Because uh, that's well, quite a significant change, isn't it? Well, uh, I think what we did before uh, was that when we had the English class uh, and we had the meal, someone would get up and do a talk, and it would be a sort of a gospel talk. Um, and we found that lots of people would just get up and leave during the talk. Uh, and it wasn't really working. So we changed and we said, actually, we're going to take the talk away and we're going to do exactly what we've seen uh, that Anthony and Debs have. We're going to focus on relationships. And we're going to equip our hospitality team. So we've got teachers that teach. Then we've got a load of people who come and just do hospitality. And we tell them, go and talk to people about football, food, and faith. And actually, it's down to the relationship. So once we got, it's, we weren't taking the gospel out of it. We were just taking the format of getting the gospel. We were changing that. So instead of one person talking who hasn't met most of the people in the room and talking too fast for anyone to understand, because everyone's at different levels of understanding. And once we change that into actually it's down to the individual to invest in someone and say, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. That is what seemed to work. What sort of investment of time? The volunteers that are working with you, what sort of investment in time do they need to give to make that work? Um, We had to stop all of our marketing because too many people were coming. uh, And we had to focus on our our team uh, first and grow the team before we could take any more. At the moment, we turn people away uh, because it's so full. Uh, But what we say to our team is if you can speak English, we will teach you how to teach. And we create these worksheets that the teacher's just got to follow up. So as a teacher, all you have to do is turn up at 6 o'clock in the evening and teach from 6.30 to 8 o'clock, then you're done. If you're on your hospitality side, uh, it's, you turn up at 7.30 ready for the meal. And realistically, what's the, what's the kind of proportion of people to students? So if you, let's say you've got four people in church who are willing to give themselves to this. How many students could you cope with, with, with four people? Is we, it five or six a, a person? We or? started, and we think the ideal is one teacher to five students. Uh, but because of our demand, um, we've stretched that a bit. And it's not ideal, but we do one teacher to ten students. So, uh, sorry, nine students um, or thereabouts. So if you've got four people, you, you could grow quite quickly. 
Let me just ask you finally about food, because actually that's been another common theme, hasn't it, between what people are doing. Why do, why do you think food and having food and a meal makes such a difference to generating the kind of discussions and conversations? Uh, well, well, we see in the Bible time and time again that Jesus ate with his disciples, uh, and food uh, was such a big part of getting to know people. And I think that, that that's it. We don't give, uh, it's not free food. Um, it's uh, it's just free English classes. Um, and so people, we get people to pay for the food. We try and make that as cheap as we can. But, uh, but we try and do a good meal, do it well. And I think what we find, and I'm sure this will be the same in Manchester and wherever you're from, if you don't speak English, you're lonely and you uh, you struggle to find work. So it, that's, that's the case in London. People, they can't make friends because they can't communicate. So when they come learn English, and during that meal, you've just got a group of people willing to take the time, and sometimes it is painful talking to these people. You don't understand them, they don't understand you, you don't know where to take it. But over a meal, suddenly you're all on the level playing field, uh, which is great. Pally, I think that's, that's been really encouraging. And actually, your three tips, whatever you're doing in evangelism, aren't they three really good things to be thinking about? Um, that let's just have them up. Do it well. Keep it simple. Think of who you're trying to reach. Let me pray for you, if I can. Father, thank you so much for Pele. Thank you for this work that's been done at All Souls. Thank you for um, those who are coming in. Thank you so much for volunteers willing to give their time. Father, we want to pray that this fruitfulness that we've been hearing about this evening will continue. We want to pray, actually, that it will increase. Thank you for those who have come to services at All Souls as a result. Father, we want to pray for even more than that. We want to pray that these relationships will develop. We want to pray, Heavenly Father, that those who are coming in will want to know more about Christ and not just want to know, but want to believe. Please do a work of salvation in them, we pray. Please keep the the team together. Please help them to work well. Please help them to follow their own principles. Please help them to do what they're doing well. Please help them to keep it simple. Please help them to keep thinking about who they're trying to reach. And Father, whatever we're doing in our local area, help us to think about ways that we could do similar things. Perhaps it's teaching English as a second language. Perhaps it's something else. Father, we want to pray that we too would be effective in reaching others with the good news of Jesus. And we pray in his mighty name. Amen. Sorry, can I quickly add? If, if it's you, going to take 30 seconds, you can. If you did think, oh, I'd like to do free English classes at my church or whatever, uh, do contact us, info at freeenglishclasses.co.uk, and we will help you as much as we can. We'll give you uh, everything we've got. You can take our branding and all that jazz. So we'd love Even to Even if we you. want to call it full English. Uh, you don't recommend that. I'll have words.